Welcome to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margot Jaco. Are you a clinician looking to find the balance between providing compassionate client care and business agility? This show will help with things you need to know to start or grow your practice and better serve your clients. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mental Health Business Mentor. I'm Dr. Margot Jaco of the Juniper Center, and my co-host is Chris Pertel. Hi, Chris. Hey, Margot. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thank you. We are, you know, we're living the dream here, moving into another phase of COVID, but it just makes business agility even that much more important. Yes, it does. Today, we're going to take a closer look at why the insurance company is not your enemy. Now, you know, for those of you who are therapists, I really can understand being a practice owner, having done this work for many years, you know, all of the 34 years I've been in practice, I have been involved with insurance companies. I can appreciate how people feel that way. Therapists can feel that way. It can feel like Big Brother is dictating terms that we are not comfortable with. But we're going to talk a little bit today about why the insurance company can't really be seen as your enemy, why that's not a useful perspective. Margaret, to start us off, um, back in March, we all know life changed overnight, including an immediate change to telehealth. Looking back now over the past eight months, what do you see as the good, the challenges, and maybe some of the still unknowns to come out of that as it relates to insurance providers? Ah, well, I was going to say one of the best things is I get to eat lunch with my family every day, but I don't think that's what you're talking about, right? In terms of the insurance providers, well, so so insurance companies, I have said to my staff forever that insurance giveth and insurance taketh away. And there are always changes in how insurance companies operate. So when we talk about business agility, this is one of the reasons we need to have some, is that there are always changes happening. And obviously, as COVID hit, um, that was one of the biggest changes I've seen in my career. So here's some of the things that actually were were good things that came from this. You know, I, I had wanted for quite a while for us to be able to begin serving people in other parts of the state. We're in Illinois and it, we're kind of up at the top. It's a long state. Our reach has been very much just in the Chicago, suburban Chicago area. And so now we are able to reach people all the way down almost to Kentucky because the tip of Illinois reaches down to Kentucky. So one of the good things that's come out of this is that it enables professionals to be able to provide counseling to people that they never would have reached before. And so there's much greater access for people to be able to get care. And that I am super excited about. Another thing is that, you know, getting people on insurance panels has historically been incredibly difficult. Well, let me modify that. Of In recent years, it's been more difficult. It used to be really quick. And then you know, it could be a week or two weeks. Now it can be up to three months or four months. In some cases, the insurance companies have been moving a bit more quickly to get people credentialed because there is so much need. So credentialing, getting new therapists onto insurance panels, or perhaps therapists who weren't on insurance panels before on insurance panels has become easier. There's also greater parity because of some of the parity laws that we have between mental health and physical health. 
So we really now, you know, mental health used to be a bit of a stepchild. A person could see their physician as many times as they wanted, but if it was a mental health provider, we might get 26 visits a year. So now we have parity, and that's really been important because we need to be able to serve people, especially during this crisis, for as many appointments as they need to stay okay. People's mental health, as we know, is really suffering as a result. So, so that, I think, has been a good change. And I would say that I'm noticing people are getting a lot more creative. Providers are getting a lot more creative. They're coming up with new services, new ideas, new ways to reach people. A lot of insurance companies are actually increasing the number of services that they're allowing, like group therapy is now allowed. It didn't used to be allowed. That's exciting. Um, and the number of in-network providers to meet the demand. I think insurance companies have been working to try to help that happen more too. So between helping people be able to get more counseling and therapy, allowing people to get the services they need, changing the kinds of services that they weren't allowing before and they are allowing at this point, all of those are really great changes that didn't exist before. It's so nice to hear that, that there's some positive things that are coming out of all of this. What about on the flip side, though, with any challenges that we're facing in addition to the regular day-to-day COVID challenges? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's good to look at the silver lining, and I always try to look at what's positive just for my own mental health, quite frankly. Um, But there are some challenges, too. And some challenges include waiting for benefits authorizations. That has not been easy. So when a new client comes in, we obviously need to make sure, I mean, this is what we do in our practice. We don't see anybody until we can make sure they have insurance benefits. There are online services, availability is one, where providers can check benefits prior to somebody coming in for service. We also make those phone calls because what's been happening is you can't always tell from availability whether or not the person has the services that you think they have. So do they have the waiver right now for copays? Availability may or may not know that. The insurance company may or may not know that. Getting accurate information about what's covered, what do people owe, how is that going to get paid out, how are we going to collect, that has been an absolute ongoing challenge. Changing gears for a minute, one thing you referred to in the beginning is insurance providers frequently tend to be the bad guy in people's minds. Mm-hmm. How would you recommend that practice owners talk to their clinicians and also their clients about the insurance providers and why they're not the bad guy? Yeah, well, Chris, I have to say I I, I have at times vilified insurance companies myself because I've gotten frustrated. But here's the thing. Insurance companies really allow people to get care at a dollar amount that they probably would not be able to afford out of pocket. So ultimately, I think providers make more money than they would out of pocket because most people can't afford out of pocket. So that's one thing. So if you're vilifying, you're also sort of biting the hand that feeds you. The other issue is, as a clinician, if I especially to my clients, or even if I don't say it directly, but if I'm holding the insurance company as a bad guy, all of a sudden in the therapy room, 
we've got this third entity that is evil, that's like a big brother who's watching over us and determining whether or not we're going to get to continue to see each other. Now, some parts of that are true, but if I hold that as evil, you know, I don't know that I'm doing my client or the therapeutic work any good. And in terms of how I speak to other clinicians about this, it's kind of the same thing. This is really, the insurance companies are the way that we get paid. And we may not always like their policies, but there is some truth in the fact that if we are getting paid, somebody does have a right to have an expectation of what that work product is going to look like. And while we can't ever guarantee outcome, that's not what I'm saying, there do need to be some standards that we follow. If you don't take anybody's insurance money, well, then that's between you and the client. But if I'm signing a contract as a provider, I'm saying I'm agreeing to your terms, which is I understand that there are certain diagnostic codes that are not going to be covered. I understand that there might come a time where the insurance company says that we aren't meeting requirements based on whatever is in my notes. I understand that an insurance company can request my notes at any time without my authorization, without my client's authorization. So my suggestion is if people really, if therapists are struggling with those kinds of constraints, that they really read the contracts that they're signing. Because if you're, if you're signing it, you're going into this as a voluntary agreement. So it's just for my own mental health, again, and my own perspective, that if I can hold this as a contract, just like any other contract that I sign, if I've signed it, I'm going to abide by it. And that's just fair business. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. But specific to Medicare for a second, are there any challenges that we need to be aware of or clinicians need to know that are different than other insurance providers? Well, I would say, first of all, Medicare, what happens with Medicare is usually going to pave the way for what happens with other insurance companies. They start the ball rolling and usually what they do, other people will follow, other insurance providers will follow. So for example, right now, um, Medicare has been, and this isn't new, but they've been doing more audits just to make sure that the utilization is as it should be, meaning that what's happening in the therapy can be documented as medically necessary and that we're not using more minutes than are required. And Medicare is really sort of leading the way in this, saying you really need to be able to document that you need more than 45-minute sessions. 45 minutes is considered standard. As therapists, we like to meet for an hour. It's great clinical time. I feel like I get much, much more done in the therapy. And of course, I get paid extra because I'm meeting for, I'm meeting for an hour instead of 45 minutes. So that is really, uh, I would say, from a clinical perspective, what I prefer to do. However, if I'm going to be a Medicare provider, I need to be able to document why I need that extra 15 minutes. I would say Medicare is worth following because what they do, other people follow. Now that the election's over, and unfortunately, the pandemic doesn't appear to be going away anytime soon, from your perspective, what are the expected impacts that we're going to be facing and dealing with going into 2021? Kind of the unknowns. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of unknowns. Well, one thing that we can anticipate is that 
obviously there's going to continue to be a need for telehealth in 2021. That's a given. Since it sounds like there might be some vaccine on the horizon, lots of people are very concerned that all of a sudden there's going to be this hacking off of telehealth and telehealth benefits and they're reverting back to what used to happen with telehealth, which was, for those of you who didn't provide telehealth or hadn't even looked into it before, one had to use, a provider needed to use a particular platform and different insurance companies required different platforms. So if you were seeing three people with three or four different kinds of insurance, well, guess what? Then you'd have to be on multiple platforms. Right now, we're expecting that that's not going to be the case. So I was listening to um, uh, a webinar last week that was put on by the Illinois Psychological Association at their annual convention. And there was a gentleman there, a psychologist from the American Psychological Association. And he was talking about how even if, let's say in February, all of a sudden the vaccine comes out, everybody can get it, which we know is not going to happen. But if everybody could, and we're in February, there would be several months that would have to transpire before everything reverts back to the way that it was before for the sake of the clients that we serve because we can't get everybody paneled. We can't get everybody up and running on these particular platforms. We can't necessarily terminate treatment with people who are downstate and all of a sudden have to go back. It's not gonna happen. So that's one thing that we can look forward to is that this is not gonna stop abruptly no matter what. That's just not gonna happen. Well, and what about the people who may prefer telehealth going forward too? Right. So there is some legislation that is moving through the pipeline to try to make telehealth and adequate reimbursement standard. That would be that it's really just the same talk about parity, that whether you sit and talk to me in my office or you sit and talk to me in my home office, that really it's the same. The serv- you know, we can argue the service is not, it doesn't necessarily feel exactly the same, but you're still getting an hour of psychotherapy from a licensed professional that remains the same. So ultimately the hope is with this legislation that that will be recognized, especially because uh, legislators are seeing how many more people are able to access care. We live in the Chicagoland area, you know, when it's, it's like, bars in Ireland, you know, they're on every corner. When I moved to the suburb where I practice right now in Park Ridge in Illinois, I was one of a handful. There's like in our building, there's at least a hundred therapists right now. So, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. So the idea being outside of the Chicagoland area or some of the larger metropolitan areas, there aren't many providers at all. It can be really difficult to find someone And those folks often have full caseloads. So this just really provides much more access, which is why legislators are moving toward this. And as an inducement to have good providers be able to to give that care, they're saying, let's see if we can make the parity happen between in-person and at home. That makes sense. And it sounds like the bottom line is agility is key throughout throughout a lot of this. Oh my gosh. Agility is key. And again, Chris, it really is because things are always changing. And 
especially being a practice owner, you, you have to have, and a practice owner, whether you're an independent practice and it's just you, or you have a practice with multiple practitioners, there are a lot of variables out of our control. We just have no idea what's going to happen in terms of how we're going to get paid, where we can provide service, who we can provide service to. There's also some movement right now to be able to treat people in other states. Currently, at least in the state of Illinois, the way our licensing law is written, we cannot see somebody outside of the state of Illinois. No can do. Our licensing laws are very strict, very clear. There are other states where it's written into their licensing law that they can that providers can see people across state lines. So you have to just make sure you're very clear with what your licensing board says for you. An issue that we've had quite a bit recently is college students are coming back home or kids who are in their 20s and 30s are moving back with their parents because they've lost jobs or families are having to combine households at this point. And we're getting calls from people who will say, well, we have somebody who's in Illinois right now, but their residence is actually in New York. Can we come and see you? Well, here's the thing. If they are in the state of Illinois and they are residing in the state of Illinois right now, we can provide them services. If they go back to New York, those services end. So we have to make sure that we can do that transition, that we're very transparent with people. We're bound by the state licensing laws. And of course, every practitioner is wherever, wherever they work. So some states actually have temporary waivers. You can check on the American Psychological Association website. That would be a good resource to be able to see where can I find out who has what waivers at the moment. Um, some states have issued emergency orders that ease those requirements for out-of-state providers. Some have temporary emergency license processes. So like Louisiana, New Hampshire, Oregon, Utah, there are other states that have a registry enrollment for out-of-state psychologists like Arizona and Montana. Um, some states require absolutely no advance notification to the licensing board like DC. Illinois is actually one of those and Nebraska. So people could provide services for people who live in Illinois, um, even if they weren't here, didn't live here. So some there's a time duration. It's based on the public health emergency declaration. So there's a lot that could be different based on your state. So when we talk about agility, there's a lot to know. You just have to keep researching and making sure you're staying current. If you're going to provide services to somebody who lives out of state, you want to make sure they're residing in the state right now where you are licensed and or you get yourself some kind of temporary licensure. The other thing I would suggest is if you're a psychologist, there is something called SIPACT, which is the Psychology Interjudicial Compact. And this is a, it's a multi-state compact that allows psychologists licensed in SIPACT states, and there are 15 of them currently, to be able to practice across state lines. And as far as I know, this is only for psychologists right now. Other disciplines, LCSWs, LCPCs, LMFTs, they all would have to do the temporary licensing based on uh, the reciprocity. So it's one benefit right now of being a psychologist is that uh, there is a specific act. And my guess is that that will come down the line for other people too. But but in terms of agility, my two senses, there's just a lot to know. You need to make sure 
that you can ask the right questions. So Chris, one thing that I'm asked about frequently is this cost sharing that insurance companies have been kind enough to do. Um, right now, most insurance companies, most commercial insurers are continuing to provide the cost sharing, which means they're covering people's co-pays right now. Um, there are individual policies where that is not the case. And this is part of the reason we need some agility is because we don't know which policies are and which policies are not. So you really have to be able to get on the phone and spend some time and make that phone call to find out this information. It's really important for therapists to check those benefits. Make sure you get on the phone, speak with a live human. And here's another snafu, is that insurance companies from, from one client to the next, from one representative to the next, we have unfortunately gotten a lot of misinformation, even when we have spoken with people live. It's better information than we get when we just go on an online service to see what the benefits are. But we might get a payout and then find out that what benefits are right now are very different than what we thought they were. So it's just something, again, as we talk about agility, flexibility, you may or may not get good information. So one thing we're encouraging people to do right now that we don't typically is we make sure that people call the insurance company themselves. We call, they call, we get as much information as we can before we start services so that there's no surprises. And that really is different since uh, the COVID pandemic and, and with the changes with the cost sharing. To close us out, Margo, what about audit proofing your records? Oh, I love that. I hear you say a lot that it's more important than ever to make sure that you're audit, audit proofing your records. Why is that? Yeah, well, that's one of those things we can expect in 2021 that we may not like so much. But you know what? Here's the thing. I always tell our therapists, do not be afraid of this. Everybody gets so scared. They see an audit and they think, oh my gosh, what could happen? Well, you know, the worst case scenario, I suppose, is that an insurance company could say this does not meet our standards and they would ask for a refund of that money. That's often not what's happening. Um, often it might be for them to educate you or to just make sure that you're doing what you need to do. So keeping good records is really important. If you're doing that anyway, an audit, it, it makes no difference. If you're not a good record keeper, then an audit could make a difference. But it's not something to be worried about. And, and let me tell you just some quick ingredients, and we'll do just a whole other podcast on this at some point. In fact, I would love to invite Jonathan Nye to come and speak to us. He's our attorney, actually, and really an expert in, in how to do this. But there are things that you want to do. You want to make sure that everything in your document, first of all, is true, that some people will diagnose to get more insurance, will diagnose with a diagnosis that they know isn't going to be audited as easily, that's not okay. Obviously, to be captain, the obvious, everything in your document has to be accurate and true. The other thing is that your diagnosis and your treatment plan and each note have to tie back to each other. They all have to go together. If you're treating somebody for anxiety and you keep saying they're coming in and they seem depressed, then you probably have a misdiagnosis. You need to make sure that those tie in. And whatever your interventions are in the treatment, those need to tie back to your diagnosis and your treatment plan too. So in our next episode, we are going to be joined by Jonathan Nye, who is our attorney. He is with Nye and Associates. 
They are mental health lawyers that have been in the Chicagoland area for a really long time. And he will talk to us about a few things having to do with mental health law and about how to audit proof your records. So Chris, thanks again for being with me today. It's always good to see you and hear you. I am happy to be here. Wonderful. We'll look forward to speaking with you next time. Be well. You've been listening to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast with Dr. Margot Jaco. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss an upcoming episode and head on over to the mentalhealthbusinessmentor.com website for resources and additional information. Thanks so much for listening and be well.